Hello and welcome to Highland Football Weekly with Ian Ald. Hope everyone is keeping safe during another week of lockdown in the UK amid the coronavirus pandemic. Episode 12 this week sees us catch up with another member of the Brora Rangers coaching setup. Brora have, have now been crowned as the champions of the Highland League. However, the season has stopped and who knows what lies ahead in the weird and wonderful world of Scottish football. Brora and Kelty, of course, would have played off for a place in League 2 against the bottom side who we assume might have been Brecon City, but who knows what lies ahead. Again, this podcast was recorded a few weeks ago. Episode 12 features a guy who started his career at Ross County, then moved on to the likes of Elgin City, Peterhead. He had two spells at Elgin City. He's played in the Highland League for Brora, Forest and Nairn, as well as a League 2 winner's medal whilst playing for Alawa Athletic. Craig Campbell is one of the game's good guys. Real honest interview, some good stories. Sit back and enjoy. Craig Campbell joins us via the wonders of FaceTime lockdown special again. Craig, we're stuck inside, but uh, it gives us a chance to sit and chat football. How's things for yourself? Yeah, obviously it's a difficult period for everybody at the moment. Um, uh, we're used to being very active and out and about uh, involved with football in our work, but uh, we have to follow the guidelines very strictly. It's pretty clear what we have to do is stay at home and um, protect everybody that uh, is vulnerable to this horrible virus that's going at the moment. I spoke to the gaffer, Stephen Mackay, a few weeks ago, and it was on the on the day that, that football was cancelled, and and yourselves obviously had to you know end the, the the season. The season came to an end, and then uh, the weeks after that, I think the Highland League were one of the first leagues in the country to pretty much say that's it, game over. Brora Rangers won the title in the end. You were top of the table at the time of the the close down. Um, Quite a strange way to win a league title. Uh, yeah, obviously it was. It wasn't the way we wanted to win the title. To be uh, quite honest with you, um, obviously take nothing away from the boys. At the end of the day, I I firmly believe, as this uh, said, that we were the best uh, squad of players in the league, and I think we would have went on to win the league. Um, and it went to a vote, and uh, I think the vote was pretty unanimous, to be honest. So. Um, we could take no credit away from what the boys have done this season, to be honest. Um, but uh, it wasn't. It was a bit of a bittersweet taste. Um, the boys obviously can't celebrate properly, and they would have. They would have liked the euphoria of actually getting the trophy, uh, the trophy day, a day out, probably a boys' holiday at the end of it all. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that. Hopefully, that'll that'll come. Um, and who knows. What lies ahead in the future? Because um, at this present moment in time, they're talking about uh, restructuring the leagues, ending the season in the in the lower leagues in Scotland. Of course, that'll have a knock-on effect with you guys because well, you're effectively waiting for the Lowland League to to finish up and see who you'd face in a playoff to then potentially go for a place in League Two. But who knows what lies ahead in the future? But I'm sure you'll uh, once the lockdown's over, I'm sure you'll get a chance to celebrate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're all in, in the dark at the moment. Uh, what's actually happening? Um, there's a lot more important things going on than what's happening with football, which we have to respect. Um, but uh, yeah, we're just carrying on speaking amongst ourselves, Sid and Heinze, Um Just carrying on preparation as best you can, really trying to get the boys ticking over. Um, but the way it's looking, um, there could be a long wait before the, uh, football starts again. To be honest, Craig, I'm gonna we're gonna look back over your. Um over your, your playing career, because uh, I know you're still in the in the coaching setup at uh, Brora. Kildare, is that where you're from? Yep, absolutely. Aye, I was gonna, I, I knew I thought it was Kildare because there's yep. only there's only two things that are well known in Kildare. That's yourself and Ken's garage. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> definitely. Good old Ken's garage, yeah. Um, yeah, everybody knows Ken's garage. Oh, aye, sure. you, can, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. It's a great. Um, Craig, we're going to start by taking you right back to your early days at Ross County. I suppose as a, a Rosshire local lad playing for Ross County, turning out for Ross County, you know, coming up through the youth ranks, 
uh, must have been a, a bit of a dream come true for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think from a, from a young age, um, I had it in my head that I wanted to be a full-time footballer. Um, and I obviously, I got that opportunity. Although it never worked out the way that most kids dream of, uh, I wouldn't have changed it for the world, to be honest. Uh, I think it was a great learning curve for me. Um, don't get me wrong, uh, you do get some difficult periods once you do come to that crossroads where you've got to decide that full-time football is no longer a viable option for yourself uh, and you have to look to uh, further employment and your future then. And it, it is a difficult road and I've, we've got a few uh, boys on loan f- at the moment, young uh, James Wallace and Tom Kelly. And, um, they're good, good players and it's very difficult uh, only a small, small number actually go on to achieve their absolute dream and making it to uh, the top, top level. And there is some difficult situations that, that will arise for people like that if they don't make it. And hopefully they do go on and make it. But I wouldn't have changed it for the world. I think it gives you a good footing in, in, in life. And I had some of the best times and met some of the best people. Uh, still got loads and loads and loads of friends uh, that I've made through football and who I wouldn't have made if I didn't do football. Last week we um, we spoke to Sean Higgins. He was at County around about the same time as yourself. Neil Cooper brought him into the first team. When you mentioned there, you know, individuals, we obviously spoke to Stephen McCaw a few weeks ago. He talked about how big uh, an influence Neil Cooper was on him early on. Um, I'm assuming uh, Coops was the same for yourself. Uh, yeah, he, he actually gave me my debut when I was 16. Um Albeit not a very good one, we went down to Airdrie. We got, uh, I think we got pumped five one, and I got put on, but yeah. we're five 0 down. So, <laughs> um, but no, he was he was an unbelievable character. Um, he knew how to keep you grounded, level headed. If your your application was slipping at all, he he brought you right back down to earth. But he was a bubbly, bubbly character with some unbelievable stories. What's he like when he's bringing you on into the action? What's he saying to you as he? Chucks you on against Airdrie, as you say, when you're five 0 down. Although you could argue in the last five minutes, you helped turn it around and get that uh, last goal to bring it back to five one. What's he? Uh, what's he saying before he chucks you in for your your debut at such a young age? He actually just he, he said to me, "You've you've earned this opportunity. Go on and, and, and just do what you you can do and what you've shown in reserve games running up to this. Albeit it wasn't the scenario that he wanted, but um, he just said you've earned this. Go on and." And try and do the best you can, um, and uh, I'll never forget that day. To be honest, like I only found out that morning it was in the paper that I had a wee chance, and my, my dad told me that. And then once we got down there, named on the on the bench, and then it got on. And it was obviously not the way you wanted, but um, all to be it was a great experience to go down there. I heard you had an unbelievable t- uh, team at that time. They had some right good good players. That was the um, that invasion, wasn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. David Fernandez yeah. was the kind of the one of yeah. the, the the most high profile of the for, the guys if here. If I remember yeah. correctly, he put one right into the top bin. A volley. It was an unbelievable goal. I think when I was warming up. <laughs> I want to see Steve Archibald's involved at that time as well. Was he? he yeah, around, yeah, right? he was. Yeah, yeah, he was indeed. What a player he was. Cooper was a good player himself back in the day. Working with such a legend like that as well. Early on in your career, must have. I mean, he must have rubbed off on you. You know, giving you a, influenced your career. Yeah, he was honestly he was unbelievable. Like he just had an aura around him, um, just so bubbly, contagious. You wanted, you actually wanted to be in his company um, when you got the. Obviously, when I was younger, uh, training with the younger boys, and you, if you got the nod to go up, he would. I don't know. You just you felt you would obviously be nervous training with the first team. You had boys like Fergie and that on your case as soon as you came up, but he just he had a calming influence on you. But he, like he he would let you know if you let your standards slip at all. You mentioned there Stevie Ferguson because I've spoken to most of the guys as they come on, you know, when they they make their debuts, they come up through the youth system and they get thrown into, you know, a a first-team squad. Um, And you mentioned Stephen Ferguson, there's a couple of other guys in around there, Alex Bourne, for example, some big characters. How did you handle the dressing room, the first-team dressing room going in as a a youngster? Uh, Yeah, it's obviously pretty daunting when you first first got thrown in there, but... Um, they all made you feel welcome like you say there were some big big characters probably no bigger character than Boney Fergie Kenny Gilbert uh, they were all great great characters to have about uh, and they were absolute winners as well and I think like one of the biggest things that I've came out with uh, from full time football is how competitive the group 
we were and uh, that's rubbed off on me I'm like I don't like to lose at anything I mean once I got released from um, Ross County me and uh, Stephen we went to Iceland and we had a we basically had a house there we, we, me and him were staying there a bit when we, when we got over we found out that most of the boys had uh, jobs and the training was every night so through the day we were in the house at the gym but we got to a stage that we were getting bored so we were started playing Pro Evolution uh, on the PlayStation right. and it was just like game after game after game and we were keeping the score and it got it was getting very in, intense in the room and I think it got to a stage that Sid got two games in front of me and I had to that was it I just stormed off I had to get out of the house way down <laughs> I had to go away down the town Chuck to control it I tell you one of those to cool off uh, the TV either the TV was going to get it or Sid was going to get it so I just had a wee cool out uh, period for about half an hour <laughs> but it's just the competitiveness everything was really competitive in training was competitive everything you did it used to just rub off on all the young boys me uh, Don Cowie and, and Sid again in the close season we would go to my mum and dad's back garden it would be a two touch competition I have no idea how the greenhouse never got broken that was another day Sid, Sid had to go for a cool down period because he was getting <laughs> he was losing it was just like I, people say now kids shouldn't be competitive but I think it's a great thing yeah absolutely really, it, 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 it's like it's vital having that imprint in you at a young age to go and win it's too easy to become complacent to accepting not winning I spoke to Sean Higgins last week about one individual and it was quite ironic well when I spoke to Sean Higgins last week we talked about uh, Charlie Adam now I know that was obviously yeah. a, a few years um, a few years on um, but Incredible that the players that were at County at one stage, Mark Haitley came through the door, Derek Ferguson, of course, uh, big uh, big Rangers men like yourself, and yeah. uh, and Owen Coyle uh, was in around it as well that season. You know, guys that were big names in Scottish football were were turning out turning out for County. Owen Coyle was the same season that you made your your debut. What are your experiences uh, working alongside some of these guys? Yeah, in a changing room, Owen Coyle. The thing I remember about him is was how how vocal he was. Uh, he was he was in everybody's faces before in the changing room. Gene at people, and he expressed everything that he demanded of players. The standards he he was used to. Charlie Adam, he was he was different. He would he would he wasn't so vocal, but he, he would. He's the type of guy that would uh, just have a, a moment of magic. He would he wasn't if he would. He would make a cunt of a few fucking crosses and then he would go and whip in an unbelievable one. Or he would, I don't know how many times he scored from his own half, but he's had a few fucking attempts at it. I know that much. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, I think Sean Higgins said pretty much the same last last week. He he, he would always be trying the uh, trying the ambitious, and then right enough, you know, in a few years down the line, he's he's doing. He's doing it at a very top level uh, in British football, uh, uh, one of the biggest clubs in the world, actually, in, in Liverpool. But it was it was quite incredible the amount of players that were that were coming into Ross County. Um, just the last thing on Ross County. Well, obviously not not the last thing, but um, you very early on in your, your spell, you managed to get your your first goal for the club, and it's a one 0 win away at Starks Park against Wraith Rovers. Big moment for yourself, scoring your first senior goal, but it's a goal that. It meant a lot. The county got the three points. I think it was late on as well. So, uh, good memories of that one. Uh, yeah, I remember it pretty clearly. To be honest, I couldn't miss. It was. Uh, I think it was actually heading in. I think his. I think it was Stephen Hislop that uh, had hit it across and basically headed it in from about three yards. So I couldn't miss. Um, but I remember the feeling well. And, and the first guy to run over and celebrate with me was uh, Sid. So that was nice as well. You move on to uh, Elgin City on loan. Now uh, we'll come back to Elgin City in a, in a, in a few uh, uh, few minutes' time. But but first of all, because you've obviously had two spells at the club, your first spell is on loan, um, working with uh, David Robertson, um, yep. who ex Aberdeen, ex Rangers, now out in as far as I'm aware, he's still out in India, um, working with well, he was at the time of that excellent BBC documentary, Real Kashmir. You're on loan, you're looking for a regular first team football, you get it at Elgin City. Working with David Robertson, what's he like? Um yeah, he was he was he was very quiet to start with. Like um when I first got introduced to him I thought, Wow, this guy's very quiet because obviously I me being a Mad Rangers fan, he was a bit of an idol for me to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um but then I soon uh, realised that he wasn't he had an absolute 
natter streak in him, to be honest. <laughs> he was quite an intimidating figure when he lost the plot in the changing room. Obviously, Andy Gorham came in at Elgin at the time as well, and we took a few heavy defeats, but they were obviously, we talked about the winning side of things, and they didn't take well to the to us losing, and we took a few heavy defeats. I'd go as far as saying there was a few few fights in the changing rooms mm-hmm. uh, over the weeks, but it was a good learning curve, and, and the, the vital thing for me at that time was I was playing every week, and Although the results probably weren't as good as what we were wanting, um, I thought I thought my my performances came on a little bit from playing every week, and it's obviously a different level to playing like reserves or, or playing for the younger boys. So it, it, it's more physical, and uh, it, it definitely it was a good club to go on loan to. To be honest, and I, I wouldn't have changed that either. I've heard a lot over the years. Um, you hear of. Of managers, well, when they were players, they've played at a very high level, and then they become managers, and they they drop down a couple of levels, and they probably assume that people can do the things that their teammates used to do once upon a time. And I, th- I get the impression that was the same with David Robertson at Elgin. You mentioned there, obviously, Andy yeah. Gorham came in, winners, you know, nine in a row, part of the a Rangers dynasty. Perhaps maybe when he went to Elgin City, just maybe assumed. That, uh, that things would be, you know, uh, the players that he was working with would be the same as the Rangers players, maybe. I get that impression. Yeah, it was, it's obviously frustrating. Um, they're used to playing with uh, higher level players and they come in a managerial job and they're probably expecting things that are maybe not quite there at the level that they're managing. I mean, uh, Andy Gorham at the time, he, was, he would turn up to training pretty much half drunk half the time and he was still <laughs> unbelievable shot stopper. Unbelievable! Did you ever uh, ever get anything past him? Uh, maybe a couple, uh-huh. <laughs> but no, he was. He was. He was. His standards in training were were pretty good, to be honest. Considering his age and and what he was doing at that time in his life, you know. You, your your time at Elgin City comes to an end, but we know that you're back at Borough Briggs in a few seasons' time. You're released by Ross County, um, and you moved to to Peterhead. You're released from County. Was that was that a tough one to take? Um, obviously, it's disapp- it was disappointing. Yes, and then. It's more of the, oh, fuck, what am I going to do now? <laughs> um, but no, I in in my heart, I knew that my time was up at Ross County. It was Alex Smith that, that told me and my relationship with him and Jimmy Bone was was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, another two great men um, who helped a lot for not just football, but anything else in life, they would, they would be there for you, to be honest. I remember, actually, since you've mentioned Higgy, we were, uh, the day I got told that I was released, I was actually injured. And so was Higgy, and so was, uh, I think it was David Winters. So we came up with a smart idea that, because I'd been told I was released, that we were going to go out. So we went, I think it was a Tuesday, and we've ended up going out. Uh, Johnny Fox was up as the local haunt at the time. Um, so we've headed in there early doors. I think it was lunchtime. So we were the only people in it, really. To be honest, we'd obviously had a wee bit too much to drink by the by the uh, as the hours went on. So the, I've went up and ordered three or six double vodkas, and the barmaid said, eh, "If you're buying for him, then you're not getting any more." And I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not buying for him." So <laughs> anyway, I've taken the drinks over, and then she's seen that I've handed him a drink. So we've been told to leave. So. I don't know how, but me and Higgy have ended up started arguing, and I've just kind of pushed him and like it's hit him in the lip and cut his lip. So all of a sudden he's flipped out. Anyway, there was a bit of a hoo ha in the middle of the street or whatever, but we've ended up going home. So we went into training the next day. Alex Smith tells me, in. he's at right, right, son. Obviously, I've told you yesterday that you're you're getting released. So it doesn't matter. Tell me who you, who the two boys you were out with yesterday. Like, I don't know. <laughs> don't know what you're talking about to be honest I said it was just me with a couple of pals not football boy and he's looking at me and grinning and grinning and, and then he's like right you're going to tell me the two names and I was like nah <laughs> definitely not so anyway I went out and uh, I was like up to the boy ah, fuck I think I think you're going to get pulled as well I said the boss the boss knows about us being out yesterday I don't even think Higgy was speaking to me at this time. He was still in a half of me. He made light work of it and at the end of the day. He, he already knew who it was. Um, I think it was Don Lawson. He was the owner, obviously. He'd, he'd, already told Al, he'd already told Alex Smith. So Alec was just testing me to see to see if I would spill the beans. But obviously, I never. Are you a team player? Absolutely. Aye, that's what I like to hear. And for the record, yourself and Higgy, still good mates. Higgy said, you know, he's, you're one of his best mates in football. So that was obviously quickly healed. 
yeah, he was. He's still one of my best mates, to be honest with you. Um, met a lot of good people in football, but uh, Higgy's up there with one of the best, to be honest. Apart from he's a Celtic fan. Aye, we we um we, we did speak about his goals uh, at Ibrox a couple of years ago for Stenhouse Muir, which uh, I still think is one of the best clips on or one of the best clips on YouTube. Worth a look, by the way. Um, we'll move on. We'll move on uh, to Peterhead. You joined Peterhead shortly after your release from Ross County. You spent a season there, a good season for you. Um, the club get promoted. They get second place behind Gretna, who were, well, we all know what happened with Gretna. They were kind of buying their way uh, up to the top flight. But still, at that time, they were a bit of pretty, uh, you know, pretty formidable force in, in League Two, the third division as it was. But still, for yourself, another season where you're playing regular football, good season at Peterhead for you? Um, yeah, it was. The travelling was difficult, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but um, it was a, a good, good uh, team Peterhead uh, had that season. Um, I, I wasn't a regular starter. I was in for a few games, out for a few games. And it probably was down to my own... It was my own level of uh, inconsistency, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it was it's a, a great run, little club, to be honest. Um, if it hadn't been for Gretna, we would have easily won the league that year. We were we were a good side as well, but Gretna were just that that step ahead of us. In one way, Gretna obviously are they're, they're champions because they've 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 played really well. Is it frustrating to see a, a, a team like Gretna? We all know how the the story ended. Is it frustrating to look back and? You know, perhaps think that you know what what might have been. You might have got a a a, a miner's weather, a miner's weather that season. Um, but the way they got in a carried on is that is that tough to take, or are you just like well, whatever? You know, no, it wasn't tough. I don't I don't look at it that way. To be honest, I, I, that was the kind of that was the games you looked forward to. I, you always wanted to play against the better players and the the, the bigger teams with the atmosphere and a, a bit of a crowd. So I would never I would never say that to be honest. Um, we had a decent season, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> got promoted, um, but no, there was no better feeling towards Gretna at that time. It was, it was actually, it was good to go and uh, try and compete against a team that, at that standard uh, in Division Three at that time. Peterhead, they went on to have a, a good couple of seasons. Um, they were, they were starting to. They had a good, good team. They had real momentum. You move on from Peterhead. You join Forest Mechanics. <laughs> Again, I think you mentioned that they alluded to it—the the, travelling from Inverness or you know the kind of Highland area, all the yeah. way through to Peterhead. Travel was that a, a big influence and a big factor on you moving to Forest? It was, to be honest. It was Ian Stewart was on the phone to me constantly, and then and then uh, Steve Patterson was obviously on the, the phone as well. And and I think Steve Patterson was ultimately the, the lure at that time. Yeah. Um, I wanted to work under him and. Uh, he just had that about him. Like he, he, he made you feel like he wanted you, wanted you part of your part of the team. And he, he, he said that we, he was building a team to try and compete to win the Highland League. So obviously, I looked at that, and the travelling was a big thing. I was for away games for Peterhead. I was having to drive to Perth, and then home games I was driving to Peterhead. So it was, it was tif- It was difficult. Um, so that's when, and then Stephen Mackay, he obviously signed. Uh, for Forrest as well and then that kind of swayed it as well <clears throat> towards me going there so I signed for Forrest Forrest that season they only finished 10 points behind Devon Vale who eventually won won the title that year um, and I think Steve Patterson was was building a good side he, he still had that knack of, of putting good teams together of course we all know about his, his days at, at Cali Thistle he effectively you know, when he came in '95, he'd had success previously with Elgin and Huntley, and built, you know, built a tremendous couple of squads actually that that still you know lasted way after he he left. I mean, players playing um, right through to you know a couple of years after he'd gone. What's so special about Steve Patterson, and is it, and do you think that it's a, it's a shame that he's not involved, or at that time was involved at a, a level perhaps lower than what he should be working at? Uh, yeah, it is a shame. Um, obviously, he had his problems, and um, he he was battling them at the time. But um, he was just he was just a character that you wanted to be. <clears throat> you actually wanted to win for him. I can't explain how he managed to get that. But I actually underachieved um, under him. To be honest, my lifestyle wasn't probably right at that time either. I was I was probably out too much, not training properly, and I probably I probably disappointed him a little bit. Uh, I showed glimpses at times, but not 
not to the full potential that I should have um, for him. So I think Forrest probably got they probably got a a poor poor return from me to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a regret to be honest. It's just obviously left full time football, going through the transition of uh, starting an apprenticeship as a bricky, um, working long hours, and then going to training and going out, and it was just. Just a transition period, and I, I think you see it. I still see it now when people leave full time football and transition to part time football. It takes a little bit of adjusting. Your whole life's uh, transformed, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is one disappointment that I don't think I repaid Steve Patterson uh, well enough for the faith he showed in me. To be honest, we spoke to Barry Wilson, um, who has a, a tremendous relationship with Steve Pelly Patterson. He he kind of in episode one he said that he's the kind of guy that you would run you run through a brick wall for. Could you see that working with Steve Patterson? He just had that he gave the players belief and confidence, and he would get he would get repayment from them. Yeah, he did. He did. He put his faith into the boys, and he expected it a bit uh, back. To be honest, um, he was he was quite laid back with his approach, but he he could get his point across when he needed to. Um, he wasn't one for going mental, mental, but uh, I've seen scarier managers, but he, he could get his point across when he needed to. It's funny, I remember a few years ago I came across Steve Patterson when he was um, a Peterhead, um, and he uh-huh. was he had Neil Cooper as his number two. At the very start, the, the kind of traits that you talked about Neil Cooper having, Steve Patterson had the same, you know, they were very similar. A good personality as well, liked a bit of a joke with the, the lads. What was he? What was he like off the field? <laughs> he was uh, he was good. He was uh, if you won on a Saturday night, he would obviously he would be he would be celebrating. We would celebrate on the bus. To be honest, we would always have a few few drinks and that. Um, one I can't remember where we were playing, but I remember one time that uh, we were playing poker up the back of the bus, and uh, one of the boys had a poker table, and we had the poker table set out at the back of the bus with the chips and that. And Pelly came up after a couple of drinks, obviously to speak to us on the way home and. I don't know if the bus broke or if he just lost his footing, but he landed right in the middle of the, the poker chip table. It's split in half for him. <laughs> I can, uh, I can imagine his, his face after that. So you you move on from Steve Patterson and you join Elgin City. You rejoin Elgin City again, uh, very similar um, to to your good friend Stephen Mackay. Worked with Brian Irvin at uh, at Ross County back in the day. Brian picks up the phone and asks if you want to rejoin Elgin City. What's the uh, what's the chat with Brian? Uh, it was pretty simple, to be honest. Um, me and Brian had a really good relationship when uh, I was at Ross County. He he kind of helped me through as a younger player and uh, had a lot of respect for him, obviously, knowing the career he had, being a bit of a legend in football. Um, so it was quite an easy quite an easy decision because I, I felt like I he helped me through my uh, early days in football so I wanted to sign under Brian and, and try and help him as a manager It was a difficult season in his second season and again Stephen alluded to it a few weeks ago um, it was tough um, and I think perhaps Brian took a lot of the blame uh, and showed a lot of responsibility which you kind of want from your manager was it tough to take or tough to see you know someone who you had great respect for and you know admired Ultimately, you know, a couple of months down the line, lose his job. Yeah, it was, you don't want to see any manager uh, lose their job. To be honest with you, it, it was really difficult. He, like he did um, get a group of boys together that were we we massively underachieved again. Probably application wasn't spot on from some boys. Um, probably just a mixture of things as well. The logistics of Elgin having some South boys, some North boys. Um, it wasn't a good time to be honest and um, I felt for Brian uh, he put his heart and soul into it and he, he, he tried the best um, for all the boys he wanted everything the best for us um, but it just didn't work out um, sometimes the transition from being a player to a manager doesn't always work out um, which is a bit of a shame because I'm sure he would still love to be managing a team somewhere although he's still involved with football coaching I believe at Ross County it is disappointing the way it worked. It turned out at Elgin at that time. Now, for folk who don't know, you know, Elgin have 
uh, I think still do actually have and have had a lot of players based in the south, which is the way it goes. That's just the nature of the beast and also some players based in the north. And I think the managers over the years have tried where best to try and combine the squads and, and have sessions as a player playing under those circumstances. What's it like having, you know, most of your teammates training down south and some of your training up north? What's it like as a, as a player in those those training sessions? It's frustrating, um, to say the least. Obviously, numbers is, is the biggest thing. Um, if you don't have uh, decent numbers for training, it can be you're limited to what you can actually do in your session. And I think that was a problem. Like, um, training's probably where you get your togetherness and your your team spirit. And it's difficult when you're 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 training half a section's training up north and half's training down the road. You can't work on anything through the week, so it, it was frustrating. But it, where Elgin is, it's it's hard to attract players without having to venture down into the, the central belt. Yeah. Um, and they've always had that issue. Um, although they've had a great season uh, this season, mm-hmm. and obviously they were fighting for the playoffs. Um, I don't know how that that's going to work out now. Obviously, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good club to play for, um, and I enjoyed my time at Elgin. To be honest, obviously Robbie Williamson came in. Um, and took over as manager, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed it under him. Again, training was difficult, but Robbie used to just he would maybe make a he would probably put a lighter hearted turn on training. Although you were working hard, he would he would then give you like best. He had us going to spinning quite a lot um, on Tuesday. I I was in good shape uh, under Robbie. We used to go to the gym on that Tuesday and. I remember vaguely one one night we were training at the gym and all the boys had finished spin. So Liam Keogh was there at the time as well. Said I think Hindy was there as well, and we're we're like, right, there's boxing gloves. So I was like, just said, get the boxing gloves on. So Keogh's obviously buzzing for the boxing because he's a bit of a boxer himself. So he's, I get them on, boys, get them on. So I pulled them on before I've even got my fucking glove on. Said absolutely planted one on me. So my eyes are all watering in that salad. Like, Fuck this! I'm not having this. I've started, <laughs> I've started swinging haymakers and everything. <laughs> the two of us are are doing are doing uh, just right round the whole hall, chasing each other for about 10, 15 minutes before Keel's like, "Right, boys, I think that's enough. This is going to end in tears." So I uh, bet Robbie was just standing in the background, not just blinking. Like, I think he was actually always speaking to somebody. You know what it's like when he starts speaking. <laughs> Robbie. Um... It's funny, uh, Steve Steve McKay talked about Robbie uh, in his in his uh, in his podcast, uh, and and Robbie's someone that uh, I'd reached out to to try and to try and get on, and uh, he responded uh, a few weeks ago, which we'll hopefully get him on in a few weeks' time, and it was interesting because yeah. he signed off. He's obviously listened because he signed off his uh, his uh, email with yours sincerely, Robbie the Maniac Williamson. <laughs> Uh, in reference to uh, Stephen Mackay calling him a, a maniac, he's a lovely guy, really passionate about, loves his football. You know, I, I got the impression, you know, knowing knowing yourself around that time when you were at Elgin, uh, that you you know, obviously had a lot of time for Robbie, uh, loved playing under him uh, and working for him, and and you know, like a few others, you know, tried your best for him and and Kenny Gilbert as well. Working with Robbie, what's what's he like on and off the park? He's just another uh, contagious character that you like. He rubs off on you. He's very enthusiastic about everything. He was a spade was a spade. He just told you that if you were shit, you knew you were shit. <laughs> if you were good, he would maybe give you oh, not bad. But um, I just him and Kenny were again winners. I Robbie Robbie was a very I intimidating man when he lost the plot. I think we played. Uh, I think it was a North of Scotland Cup final on a Sunday. I think we were playing. Uh, Cali it was mm-hmm. um, and obviously I think we were 1-0 down or something I can't remember I think Dale Gillespie might have actually scored for Cali he was a young boy at the time and we've come in and I wasn't having the best of the first halves and I've come in and he's he's like I'm not enough from you and I was like I fucking know and that was it he just lost the plot with me so I, he told me I had no uncertain terms and that. so I've, I thought I was getting hooked so I've just started taking off my shinnies and that <coughs> and then then the half times came and he's like, right, everybody get out. So everybody's away out. He's like, you wait there. So I was like, fuck it, taking the socks and shoes and that off, the uh, boots off, throwing them down, raging. 
he's come over and he's just grabbed me he's like get your fucking shinies and that back on don't ever fucking answer me back and don't play as fucking shite as that or you're off so I've just started getting my gear back on and plodded back out for the second half. I think I lasted fifteen minutes and then got the hook. <laughs> but but you're right though that you know you as a player you you know you you sometimes maybe not at the time but you appreciate that honesty. Yeah, I, I like not not many people put the fear up me, but he he had that he had a fear factor about him, um, but he he had the utmost respect from all the boys yeah. just because of the career he was just a contagious character to be around um, and would do anything for anyone he's one of the kindest guys I've ever met to be honest absolutely um, you mentioned there the time that you're at Elgin you know it's a, it's a difficult time I think that's the best way to put it um, occasionally the, the, you know, the team went on some, some good good run uh, a, a good run um, but sometimes you know it, it could be difficult the group of guys that you're working with as well again it looked like a you know, you had actually quite a good, good knit, uh, a good bunch of boys, close knit, good to work with. Uh, yeah, it was. It was good times. Um, at Elgin, I do. I, I enjoyed my time there. Um, I think under Robbie, we were the first season. We were pretty close. We were very close to getting the playoffs. I think we just missed out in the last game or the second last game. But after that, um, yeah, there was obviously we had a lot of disappointing results, but. Um, I wouldn't change my time with, uh, with Elgin. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I've still still watched the, the club's results uh, fondly. To be honest, mm-hmm. you um, you leave Elgin, uh, two thousand and nine. Um, by that time, Robbie's Robbie's gone as well. Kenny Gilbert is left with him too. Ross Jack comes in. Uh, you move on to Nairn County alongside Stephen Mackay uh, as well. What's the, the thoughts behind the move back to Highland League and, and turning out for the wee county? Um, obviously, Les was that. Um, Ross County when we were there as well and, and I think I was needing a fresh challenge to be honest um, Heinz he had he'd gone there I think it was six months earlier mm-hmm. um, and he spoke very highly of the club it was how it was run very professionally and the McIntosh brothers um, uh, met me with Les and we had a sit down and they sold the club to me to be honest and, and I think it became an easy decision then because I was definitely needing a fresh challenge and uh, at that time there and felt like it was the right place to go. Now, you come up against Elgin City, I think a couple of months after you signed for Nairn County. Scottish Cup die. How was that coming up against coming against your, coming up against your former club? Probably one you don't expect. Um, but then when that Scottish Cup third round draw, maybe the second round, I can't quite remember at this stage. I think it might have been the second round. When that draw is made and you're played with Elgin City, what, what are you thinking? Just can't wait for it to come round, to be honest. I was, I was actually... Uh, buzzing to, to play against them um, obviously adds a bit of spice um, I think Ross Jack at the time he was the manager at Elgin he'd said a few things that he'd offered me a new contract and I turned it down and he hadn't actually officially made offered me a new contract uh, there was only once I'd um, said that I was going to learn then he started saying that he'd offered me a contract so there was a bit of uh, conflicting stories there to be honest so I was just—I was actually buzzing to play against them. <laughs> it was a good game. Elgin City won three-two. Memory serves me right. At the same time, that was my—I think moving up to the Highlands. That was my first taste of Elgin City versus a, a Highland League side, and yeah. how it was back in the back in the day, I suppose. And actually, do you know what? I loved it. Station Park was buzzing that day. You know, the, there was a, from what I can remember, a decent crowd. A bigger crowd than what it would have been for a for a run of the mill uh, league match, but there was a real buzz about the place. You'd obviously played in a couple of those Elgin City. I think Elgin City drew Bucky uh, one year in the Scottish Cup, but they're they're good games to be involved in. And is that something that perhaps is a, a miss? I know that obviously the league reconstruction might come about. Who knows what the future has? But is that something that you 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 know you miss Elgin City against uh, the likes of Forest, Nairn, Bucky, Lossie? Uh, yeah, it, was, it must have been uh, difficult for the Highland League to lose uh, teams of that quality, to be honest, because there were big clubs in the Highland League, and it's credit to the Highland League that it's actually uh, got the standard that it has again. Um, I played, yeah, I played for Elgin against uh, Devonville in a uh, Scottish Cup tie. Yep. And I think they actually beat us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I knew what it was like for to play for Elgin against the lesser team supposedly and it's it's not as easy as, as what people expect um, there's not that much of a difference between 
the top teams in the, the Highland League and and most of the teams in the in the League Two as it is now. But the old Third Division, there was there was no like I played a lot of games in the Third Division, and, and there's not a huge difference um, between that and the top teams in the Highland League. No, well, Cove Rangers are the example this season. You know, they obviously pipped you guys last year to the title and they're top of the table, leading the way uh, at the moment in, in League Two um, in, in senior football, led by a, a man uh, you know very well, Paul Hartley, because your your next step along your career takes you to Alawa. Um, circumstances take you down south, who were then a, a League Two club. Paul Hartley just joined the club he'd hung up his playing boots he'd finished at Aberdeen after a, a, a glittering career I should have actually mentioned Sir Paul Hartley because he's a he's worthy of a knighthood in my eyes um, but that's just my own personal opinions he picks up the phone in 2011 and the, uh, he offers you the chance to come to Alawa first of all uh, working with Paul Hartley well, what a, a player to, to, to work with uh, yeah, I was actually shocked when he, he got on the phone, to be honest. Um, um, but I, it was it was good. Um, it was a bit frustrating for me because I didn't play as much as I would have liked to at that stage of my career because I was um, used to playing every week at Nairn. Um, but uh, Paul built, he built a, a, a very, very strong uh, team, strong squad, in fact, uh, for the league that year. Uh, we obviously went on and won it. Um, but he, he he liked to use the, the the loan deal, so he he managed to get Stevie May on loan from St Johnston, which mm-hmm. was the start of him. To be honest, he 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 tore the the third well league two. He tore it apart. To be honest, um, but he had a mixture of like pros that had played. Darren Young was there. Robbie Winters was there. Um, there was Scott Bain was a young goalie, but he was probably one that, like at that age he was one of the best goalies I'd seen. In football since at, at that time, um, so he had a, a good blend of youth and experienced boys, um, and uh, he was an unbelievable uh, manager to work under. But he used to join in training as well, and he was he still had the magic in training. Still got it. Yeah, he was just he was so good in training. Just he he, he was a hard hard man to pick up, uh, even in the small games. But uh, I just his his movement and. It's, uh, it, was, it was a joy to watch him in training, to be honest. He guided Alawa to the league title in his very first season. He then, I think he got into the playoffs the year before in, in League One. He got a big move to Dundee and he took them up at the first time of asking as well and took them back to the uh, to the top flight, almost like Paul Hartley went from the very bottom to the very top in a short space of time. Could you see in a debut season um, that Paul Hartley, what, what Paul Hartley could offer as a manager? Uh, yeah, I could because well, it was, he had uh, there was uh, Tom Ritchie was his, his fitness guy. Um, yep. He was he that was our training was some of the hardest training I've I've done at part time. Um, our Tuesday night was basically all um, around fitness work, and it was really intense fitness work. Um, we had to do a piss dehydration test before training. Uh, if it wasn't at a certain level, you were fined, um, which was a, a whole new ball game for me at that level. Um, but uh, you could see he he was so organised and everything, and he'd obviously played at the top level. So you could see that he that was him bringing his standards down to to the the level that he was now managing at. And Paddy Connolly was there as well as assistants, and mm-hmm. he's a, he's got an unbelievable knowledge of football as well. And what a player he was! You mentioned um, well from the looks of things from the management team uh, to some of the players he brought in as well, some 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 top quality players. Uh, you mentioned Stevie May there. That was Stevie May before he broke on the scene. Um, now I know that he's had a sticky kind of couple of seasons. When this long-haired young striker comes in from St Johnston, you know you must be thinking, what, what, what on earth have we got here? But I mean, he was a goal machine that season. Yeah, he was. He was. He was very, very good. Um, he. Yeah, he tore. He was far too good for that that level. He he tore the tore the league to shreds. To be honest, um, I think the final game to to clinch the league, we actually beat Elgin eight one, and I think he scored four. Um, I'll give my wee pal Twiggy a mention as well. I think he scored an own goal. Mark Nicholson, no, he did. He yeah. did. That's right. 
In fact, um, I'm sure I saw something online about that uh, recently because yeah, Alwa. It was actually yesterday, two, 2012. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, when we clinched the league, so I, I, I made sure I sent that clip to Twiggy, but I don't think he opened it. <laughs> Alwa clinched the title in style, beating Elgin City 8 1. For you, it's an extra special moment because it's against your former club and you put the, the seal on the victory by scoring the eighth goal. That must have been a, a good moment, knowing that you've you've won a league title, you've been part of a league title winning squad and you score uh, a goal and a fine victory over your former employers. Yeah, it was, it was great. And uh, obviously uh, winning any leagues is special. It probably doesn't happen that often um, for a lot of people and... Um, I enjoyed it to be honest and although I, I left at the end of that season um, we, we had a boys holiday to Magaluf that year and Paul Hartley was he wasn't shy and dipping into his pocket so what, what a time we had over there well Paul Hartley went on the you went on the holiday yeah, yeah. aye brilliant uh, it's funny I've heard a, a few stories of managers going on on holidays uh, with players but you never know if that's a well received from the the players. Some players might just want to disappear as a a group of you know a squad, a group of players. But uh, I suppose if your manager's dipping into his pocket, that's uh, that's not bad either. Nah, he was he was he had a good relationship with the squad. To be honest, so obviously he had he had the older boys there, Darren Young and and Robbie Winters and boys like that. He he was he was probably quite close to them, um, so there was no issues there. Um, had a good time over in Magaluf. Um, I probably just, that'll that'll do the end of that story's over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny uh, that you're not the first you're not the first guest I've had on that mention uh, or mentions Magaluf or holidays abroad, and the the stories uh, tend to, to dry up as uh, as soon as you mention. It's normally after I stop recording that's when the stories come out. So that's maybe one for another day. You mentioned you leave Alawa, um do you look back on, on at least that season? I suppose when you look back over your career, you know winning winning a league is, is special too. Being part of a a title winning squad is special because you've you've been there for the whole season. You've seen it from start to finish. Is that something you look back on about with you know pride that league two winners medal? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just tweeting uh, Mark Doherty last night about it when I seen it on Twitter. There was a clip and thinking gave me a wee left foot pass um, for my goal, so he was reminding me about that, but. Like he said, um, what a bunch of boys it was, and I, I still speak to quite a few of the boys from that uh, from that squad. Even though we're not, we're I'm up north and they're they're down south, so um, yeah, it was a special special season to be honest. Well, even Scott Bain, the now Celtic goalkeeper. No, I don't keep in touch with him. <laughs> Brilliant. You're back at Broader Rangers. You're back up north, back playing, well, playing coaching. For Broader Rangers at the moment, we obviously touched on at the very start how things are really uncertain um, about the about the way ahead for for football uh, and what happens uh, going forward. But from a, a personal point of view, uh, delighted to be um, part of a, a coaching setup which involves your, you've mentioned them throughout the, the podcast. Uh, your good friends David Hind and, and Stephen Mackay. Good to be involved in a coaching setup with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, when you're getting to the stage when I'm 36 now, and I was I was still playing two seasons ago, and you know yourself that you're not contributing in the big games. Um, you're getting frustrated, and then you're you're starting to wonder, right, where do you go from here? Because football's a massive part of your life, and uh, I wouldn't like to be sitting at home uh, every Saturday not being involved with football. So. Obviously, when that opportunity came along, it was perfect timing for me when uh, I got the phone call from uh, Stephen uh, asking would I like to be part of the coaching staff, and I didn't even have to think about it. It was it was just the the right time and a, a natural progression for me, uh, and I was delighted that he he thought of me for the opportunity. Yourself and Stephen have obviously shared a lot of the the same kind of managers over the years, um, the the Coopers, the Alex Smith, the Steve Pattersons. Uh, Robbie Williamson obviously you're a bit different you've, you've had Paul Hartley worked under Paul Hartley all those guys and you've talked about them tonight they're all winners is that something that you know you've replicated into your um, your own coaching setup at Brora? Yeah absolutely um, Stephen's a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to things and he he's obviously a bit of a fitness freak as well 
I'm obviously not. I'm I'm sitting at fourteen stone or something now. So uh, I've not been doing the fart like runs that he's been setting the boys to do. Um, but yeah, we've 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 set standards and we brought in the the squad needed freshened up. Obviously, boys were getting older, likes myself, Stephen himself, Xander. Alexander and Stephen were two massive players to lose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we managed to replace them with younger quality boys. So yeah, we've 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 built a good uh, squad again. We've still got experienced boys there. We've got our, our Joes, Malin, uh, Dale Gillespie, Colin Williamson, mm-hmm. Digger, Twiggy. They're all experienced boys. But we've got a nice little mixture of youth coming through now with Jordan McRae and Andy McRae and boys like that, Tom Kelly and. Young uh, Dubsy, um, so it's a good mix we've got. But we, we keep emphasising, even when we were we were doing really well there, it was just the standards. Don't let the standards drop, and it feels like you're just repeating yourself every week in the team talk. But um, it was important to let them know that we had standards, and, and we wouldn't be accepting if they dropped below that. And throughout the season, in fairness, they didn't drop below the standards that we've been asking very often. Who's the good cop? Who's the bad cop? If you listen to Stephen's podcast, he's the boring one, and I'm obviously the one that's the bad cop. I? <laughs> Heinz has got a bit of the bad cop in him too. Who can you lose it like? Can you lose it like Williamson, or can you lose it like Cooper? Who who can you? Uh, yeah, I've got a bit of a short fuse, but I, to be fair, the boys, I haven't I haven't really lost it much. No, I don't think I've fully lost it yet. I've lost it in training a few times uh, over the years, but no, I've not lost it as a coach yet. Well, the thing is as well, the the, the team are obviously, um, well, this season anyway, have been performing really well. So there's, they're probably um, they're probably not wanting you to lose it. Well, that's why they they perform so well. Well, who knows when we can get football back going again? But um, fingers crossed that the powers that be work out a, a resolution because I think it'd be very unfair on on Broda if they were to miss out on a potential playoff against. You know, it, it looks like it could be Kelty Hearts for a place. Uh, against Brecon City well, well who knows what lies ahead but once football resumes we wish you all the best for whatever of the season remains uh, but thanks again Craig thanks for coming on and, uh, and talking us you. through your career I appreciate that and uh, oh, pleasure. Thank you. and stay safe out there during lockdown yeah you too take care thank you for listening to Highland Football Weekly before you go one small favour If you wouldn't mind telling a friend about this podcast, a friend who would like football and, of course, football in the Highlands, if you're on social media, please like and share. And if you're on iTunes, please leave a comment as well. Just realise that's more than one small favour, but you get the gist. See you next week.